The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. Okay, we do certainly want to welcome our online listeners this morning. It's very exciting um, regarding the series that we've been going through. Today's title is called The Exchange Life, Victory for the Spiritual Area of Life. This is always the key, golden key, that unlocks the main door to every single area of life. I know we cover repentance, obedience, discipline, you know, vision. Yeah. But victory is that golden key that unlocks the front door. And that's what mess, the message is about today. So, the door of fellowship. Victory in Christ is almost always directly connected with the power of prayer. Those who don't find the spiritual secret of prayer find themselves fainting on a regular basis. Jesus gave a parable in Luke to teach us the importance of prayer. My wife has been one who believes that as often as you have the thought of something that needs prayer is as often as you should pray. My view has always been, I pray once, and I expect it to happen. And then if I'm down the road and I realize it hasn't happened, then I have the tendency to remind myself the prayer in which I prayed to reactivate, oh yeah, that's right, I do believe this. So we have had this thing going back and forth for years, she believing she's right because of the passage we just read today. I mean, she's got scriptural validation, and so do I. Who's right? Is my wife right by praying about one particular object, thing, people, place, or thing for a hundred times in a lifespan, or a hundred times in a month? Or am I right by just praying it once and waiting for the results? So what I've noticed is that Jane will come to me and say, for example... Uh, hopefully my daughter will not be offended by this. Can't imagine that she would, but I'm going to use this story. I'm working away. I have discovered I get my best work done before 6 o'clock in the morning. So oftentimes I'm at the office at 4. One time it was 3 this past week. And I, it's uninterrupted. It's focused. It also happens to be a time where my African people contact me. It's a very good hour for them. They're six hours ahead of us. Just, you know, this moment. Okay, so she calls me with this need about Tana. And the symptoms were actually saying that she had probably a bladder infection or something. Cramping over, couldn't go to the bathroom, swelling of the tummy. You know, didn't sound so good. So at the end of her updating me, she wanted me to pray. And so I prayed the way I would really pray about anything. And truly, truly believing that my fingertips actually 
touched the throne of God. That's how I like to look at it, is that there's times I pray because I'm supposed to pray because it's mealtime. To me, that's just to make someone happy because if it's not in me to pray and I pray, it's hypocrisy. Whatever you do, if it's not done by faith to you, it is sin. And I hate being put in the position of asked to be doing things that, that my faith is not saying, pray. See what I'm saying? So, this was a moment I knew that I knew my fingertips were going to touch the throne of God. And by the time she got to ER, you tell the rest of the story. And basically left the hospital with, your daughter's fine. Now, we can go circumstantial evidence. We could, you know, call it whatever you want. When I got that news back, I knew exactly what happened. Because I know that I know in my own mind, when my fingertips touch the throne of God, it is done. It's finished. Now, my wife, when she starts to appeal to the throne of God, there's this aha, this this uh, twinkling of aroma of God's grace, peace, or even answer to the prayer. And her heart will lose sight of that. She reappeals and she has it again. Her heart will lose sight of it. And she reappeals and it's there again and gets the exact same results. You see, if we look at the scriptures, which we're going to do right now, there's a measurement of faith given per indwelt believer. So if you look at it as a yardstick, there's some people like Paul who've been given the top of the the measuring stick. So for him to appeal to God three times that this demon would leave him alone was a pretty big deal. Then there's others that have to talk to God three times in three minutes. But Paul was three times in his entire ministry on the third Three times I entreated the Lord three times that it may part from me. His faith is way up here. He needed that measurement to establish the seven churches. How important are the seven churches in the end times? Well, the whole history of the church is revealed around the seven churches. The book of Revelation. Every category of the Christian church is found from one of those seven churches. Huge faith that would be required. I'm praying for faith to get across the central continent of Africa, which happens to be the most Muslim-influenced areas of the entire continent. Tearing away through the spiritual jungle of the deception of those who hate the God of Abraham. Who are actually stealing the true God of Abraham and calling him their own Allah God. Central Africa. It's the belt of the end times. It is the belt. And the belt buckle, I believe, is Uganda. I've always believed that. They have been called the Pearl of Africa. Clear back from Teddy Roosevelt's day. While I was over there preaching and teaching from village to village, 
the Lord showed me something different about the end times in Uganda. That they will no longer be referenced as the Pearl of Africa. But they will be referenced as the heart of Africa. You see, there's something very significant happening across the belt of the continent of Africa. It's a journey being carved out. And they know it. They're in that battle every single day. So the type of faith that's going to be required to get across that belt is completely different than the faith that some people have that may, for example, need the faith to get through the daily living of daily life. Right? I mean, doesn't that make sense? When Paul was looking at these guys that were basically spending more time polishing their sandals, he'd say, do not entangle yourselves in daily affairs. He needed them to be focused on something that was far greater than their sandals. Or whining and complaining whether their wives are going to give them spiced rice or or regular rice. Everyone's measurement of faith is needed as a whole to accomplish God's mission as a whole. We're all in this. We are in the end time mission together. Satan has his faith in his fake Christians that he's using to bring his global mission about. And they're real serious, by the way, about conquering countries and communities when most Christians are like, well, why, why do we need to do that? Why do we need to conquer a community? You're like, well, why again? What's the point? We're for America. You see what I mean? Lukewarm has a way of turning you into mold very quickly. Mold doesn't survive in cold, cold. Lisa didn't used to. Or hot, hot. But it just like gets out of control in a lukewarm environment. So let's face it, prayer is the door to fellowship with God. No one who knows no one who does not pray can really know God. We can study his word, practice his attributes, but unless we come before his throne boldly, we will not truly know his heart. I have been judged for not praying before a session, not praying before a meal. And I know that that's a part of what I have to bear in my walk, but I will not pray if God doesn't tell me to. I'm not going to do it. And I will admit there are times that I will to keep the people happy. Because you've got to pray before you eat. You've got to pray before you leave the house. You've got to pray before you drive on a trip. You've got to pray before you... Where is that exactly? Before you go to the grocery store. Or before I buy something, whatever. It is a constant praying without ceasing. God, you know, I've got my fork in my hand and there's rice on it. And I'm like, thank you for these enchiladas. Because I love them. You know, that's how I am. But I also understand you need to be all things to all people and you need to back up a little bit and give them what they need to hear. And that becomes appropriate as well. But it's not in here. I want to touch the throne of God in my prayers. And I'll be honest with you, there are many moments in the day that I am nowhere close to doing that. 
And then someone asked me to pray at that moment. Okay, here comes some plastic fruit from Walmart. We have to ignite ourselves with the level of faith, the measurement of faith. Your measurement of faith will communicate your style and technique of intercessory prayer. People who are of intercessory prayer and have that gifting, you would say have a boatload of faith. Actually, not. Sometimes they're shortchanged because that's what God uses to keep dragging them back to the throne of grace. And not be like a guy like me that prays for it once and maybe see the answer five years from now. And then when it shows up, I go, thank you, Lord. I knew that was going to happen. Which I had a whole week of that this past week. So this is why we found Jesus going off to spend time with his Father often. We should follow a like-minded example. To pray is to soak in the presence and the person of the Lord. It is to focus first upon his being within us, which is Jesus Christ, of course. And this way we will be identified with his life and purpose from the inside out. We tend to often come hastily into prayer with our own desires and start ordering God around like our video showed us this morning, like he is a slot machine. You put money in, you put prayer in, and you expect to get your can of pop when you push the button. And a lot of times God goes, no. God's a God of the yes and no. Anything in between, someone finish the verse. You can actually say it out loud. It's evil. And that's how I want to live my faith. Full on? No. I can't, Lord, right now. I can't. I'm sorry. I messed up in my head. No! Do you see the honesty? And if you're yes, God, yes! Your fingertips are touching the throne of God in the yes. And when you just say no... I, I'm upset. I No. God understands that. He's okay with that. Any leader knows you can take a rebel who's no right now and turn him into a yes. Just takes a little time. But a lukewarm person, a spirit of the Antichrist suppressing peace, peace, but there is no peace, you can't change that person. There is no change in them. It's like a bowl of jello trying to form something like I can with firm clay, a sculpture. But if someone passed me a bowl of jello and says, Do one of your sculptures, Finney, out of this bowl of jello. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? That's the kind of faith. Whatever your measurement is, that's how you should use it. Yes or no. If you got this much, yes or no. If you got this much. And you will be able to move mountains. And that's what the Lord reminded me of this week, even though this message was prepared three months ago. The Lord reminded me, it doesn't take 
measurements, large measurements to move mountains. It takes the appropriation of yes on the measurement you do have. But if you're plaguing God like he's some kind of slot machine because you deserve the soda coming out the bottom end of that request, and he says no, you're going to get your hand stuck in the passageway. Because you're going to get your way no matter what. Let's break it down a little bit further. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. Are you guys with me? Now, I want to speak to my African brothers and sisters right now. I encounter on a regular basis this charismatic movement, this, this prosperity gospel that is destroying you. Because you're treating God like he's some kind of God that owes you prosperity because he made you. I'm here to tell you, if you haven't noticed around you, that only works in prosperous countries. So if you are listening to leaders from America that are preaching prosperity doctrines, it's time for you to stand up and say, that doesn't Work here. Prosperity gospel only works when the economy says it works. But when a God tips a country to go into poverty, that doctrine no longer works. No matter how much you stand on it and claim it. God wants you to trust Him in the midst of the most horrid circumstances you possibly could imagine. And some of you children who are listening, who have had to been forced to watch your parents beheaded and killed because they claim the name of Jesus Christ, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And God said, do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven and you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. God will love you. He will tolerate you by constantly acting childish in your prayers. He will. But if you appropriate your measurement of faith by saying, yes, God, or no, God, you will accomplish a great deal more. Then you constantly pestering God with impulsive thoughts and impulsive words. I'm just simply saying, whatever you do pray, believe for his will. To be done. That was Ecclesiastes 5.2, which is one of my favorite books in the Bible. King Solomon was considered, someone want to finish the phrase for me? The wisest man who ever lived and whoever will live. 
Okay, that's Solomon. Someone want to tell me how he died? Didn't he, like, really fail at the end? Oh, man. He went to the bottom of the pile. Someone want to tell me what the scriptures say was the reason for it? His women. The way you destroy a man's calling and a man's vision is by giving him women. And that's why Paul says it is better to be as I. Well, all of you married men, you have to take care of your wife, number one. You have to take care of your children, number two. And then you can talk about ministry. They're top priority in God's mind. But if you're not married, you may want to consider staying unmarried unless you are absolutely convinced that God has brought your spouse before you. That's why you stayed celibate. Because the burden of ministry is like a wife. It's like carrying a wife. Paul took care of her all the days of his life and he trained up Timothy who was unmarried to do the exact same thing. To care for the seven churches that Paul established. Which we still talk about and preach about on a weekly basis. It's a big deal. Women demand priority one. And God honors it. You see? It's a big deal. Well, he had, he had more than one going. And it buried him, even though he was the wisest man in the world. When I was 16 years old, barely learned how to read. And this is going to sound very arrogant, but I'm telling you, it wasn't a statement out of arrogance. It was a statement out of desperation. When I was brought to the Lord, I was led to that passage of Solomon being the wisest man that ever lived and ever will live. And I, being functionally illiterate, if I really worked at it, I could put the words together to get the basic meaning of a verse. And I said to God, 16 years of age, God, if I can just have half of what that man had, just half of what that man had, because I felt so stupid. I felt so inferior, which I wore with to this very hour at 58 years of age. Because I feel 18 on the inside. Don't I look 18? <laughs> Don't you say anything. <laughs> Get you behind me, Ryan. <laughs> you see, and years later, I'm sitting in my, my discipler's office in Denver, Colorado, and I told him that story. And he said... Uh, Stephen, I want you to go to Ecclesiastes. We're going to look in the first chapter. I want you guys to go there too. So go find Ecclesiastes. Should be right after Proverbs. Unless they moved it. 
They do that nowadays, you know. <laughs> Chapter 1, and someone stand up for us and read verses. Oh, look at Ryan, he's right on, he's right on the money there. Uh, let me find it. Thank you. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Start at 18, and I believe that's the only verse you're going to read. Chapter 1, verse 18. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. Ouch, that just hurts. So Keith Federson, my mentor, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. He's actually reaping the benefits of this verse. But in much wisdom, Stephen, there's much grief. And increasing knowledge, Stephen, results in increasing pain. Is this what you want? You want half? of what Solomon wanted? He's posing me with this as my discipler. Because I told him the story of what I said at 16 years of age. Without hesitation, I said, absolutely. I want it. Well, impulsive in thought, impulsive in be careful about... Because every word that proceeds out of the mouth of man is recorded in the book of life. So, yes, this week was another one of those weeks where God took me back to this passage and said, it comes with your calling. I mean, Joe Angel sitting across the desk from me and I just collapsed. I couldn't bear it another moment. I said, Joe, I can't do this alone. I can't. I'm tired of being left on the battlefield. I got, I got to know there's someone willing to stand as a warrior. God's already given you prophecy that you're a point man. Are we going to do this or not? I need to know. And we had one of those Holy Spirit moments. Marcus, I think you need to think about this. You guys are warriors. It's where you came from. And I'm just a white geek that likes books. I'm very good out there on that field. So, saying yes has a price. I kind of knew it back then. I, I was well into my discipleship enough to know this is not going to be pleasant. And it hasn't been pleasant. John sixteen twenty three twenty four. In that day you will not question me about anything. Think about this, guys. In that day, what day are we talking about? 
Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone asks the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. This is the prosperity doctrine verse for the whole movement. This is the slot machine video. If you take it out of context. In that day. You better lock that baby down to what that day is. We are talking about end time stuff here, folks. We're talking about the end time hours. We're not talking about being concerned about new sandals anymore. We have put that stuff aside and we're all indwelt Christians focused on one thing. Finishing this off with excellence. And it's okay to have nice sandals. It's okay to have a nice ride. It's okay to have a nice house. It's okay. He's not telling you to sell everything. He's just saying, are you willing to? That's all. Yeah, I'm willing. Let's do this. Let's finish this with pain and suffering and agony and grief and weeping. And The older that I get in the ministry, the more I weep. It's because God is showing me that he's been spending year after year after year breaking me down to feel what the orphans are feeling or to feel what the to feel it a little bit. I can't imagine going over there to visit the orphans how I'm going to get through it. I mean, they're going to see this leader that they've been hearing about or whatever, and it'll be like, him? Well, I understand more today, I'm just telling you, when Jesus said that he wept, he took time to weep with the women before he did the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. I never got that before. I didn't want to get it, actually. It's very important to God. So how is it that Jesus tells us to ask freely of the Father for all things in his name and we will receive it? The answer is in knowing the heart of the Father before we make the request. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray I make a million before 2015. I counseled the limo driver of one of the biggest, name it, claim it, stab it, slab it, ministers and televangelists. He told me stories that made me sick. Had scriptural reference on renting out an entire floor of a hotel every town they went to had scriptural reference on why he drove, why he had four, owned four personal Mercedes-Benz stretched. 
on and on and on, all from the donor dollar. And add scriptural reference for it. Still it's. I mean, it got all revealed on 2020 and people still gave their life savings to him. They still do today. Why do we do that? Because we think we'll get there someday. We'll get the Mercedes. We'll get the big house on it. We'll get it. Because if I give my hard-earned money, maybe someday I will have prosperity. Uh, wrong answer. Doesn't work that way. If we do not handle our prayers with such reverence in knowing Him, we will default into doctrines of demons, such as the name-it-and-claim-it mentality. Prosperity doctrines. Two important parts of contributing to victory in prayer are faith and obedience. One, we pray by faith of Christ within us. Secondly, we are obedient to pray only the things that He puts in our hearts, which comes by relationship with Christ from within. So you see what happens? If our focus is having a relationship with Christ within, we hear His heart. We hear His mind. Philippians 2.2, 2, for we have the mind of Christ. So, we're hearing Him, what He wants. And if He wants you to have new sandals, you pray for them. If He wants you to have a new vehicle, then you pray for one. See, it's not trying to figure it out in your head. It is just hearing Him in you. And that's the way I want to live my life, is that I'm hearing him in me to pray for this person now. You see, because it's his faith, his request, joined with my measurement, and it is going to happen. I guarantee you, it is going to happen. You will receive it. Now that is just that's theology 101 in my head. But one of my dear friends from Arizona contacted me this week and said, "I quit reading your Exchange Life articles because I can't figure them out." Now, what kind of confession is that? You see, and it was only a year ago, my dear friend, that I had this long talk with you on our cell phones of saving you from the deception of demonic doctrines that Satan took your salvation away from you. You see, the enemy never quits working. Now he's just switched it. He's got him convinced not to read the Exchange Life articles anymore because he can't figure it out. Well, duh, none of us can. It takes the mind of Christ, the life of Christ in us to understand the kind of relationship that Jesus has with his own daddy. And so when Jesus says, whatever you see me doing, it is not I who does it, but someone to finish a verse. It is the Father. Whenever you hear me say something, it is not I who says it, but it is the Father who says it through me. 
You see, Jesus was nothing more or nothing less than a puppet by the terminology of humans. And we can rise above that standard by saying we have our own thoughts and our own ways and our own decisions and that's not for me. That's not how I interpret that. That's And we have this control over our theology like we're some kind of mini-gods. You have nothing. You have no ability to think on your own unless Christ decides it's okay for you to think today. Do you realize he can take away our thinking within hours? Do you realize some of the brightest people in the entire world, my friend Ronald Reagan was one of them. I was granted the interview, the very last interview that he had scheduled, which got canceled hours before the radio show, because we were going to talk about his born-again experience he had in the hospital when he got shot. I wanted him to go out with that story, because they suppressed that when he was president. He wanted the story out, too. And his agent called me and said, I'm sorry, he will not be able to do the interview. Uh, the announcement's coming out next week, but he has Alzheimer's, and um, he, the family does not want him in a position of stumbling around with his words. I said, I'll tape it in 30-second spots if I have to, and they said no. And it was done after that. He's one of the greatest leaders this country has ever seen. And how did he go out? In diapers. Think about it. Just like that. God can take your ability away to think and to be the most powerful person in the world and, 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 and. We are a dependent people. Without question. James 1, 5 through 6. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in effort, in agony, in pain, in striving. Right? And faith. You know, when that grandma took that photograph of that gray baby, two hours and five minutes dead, St. Joe's Hospital, it's on records there. In the paper as a miracle, unexplained by, by the medical uh, people. And this grandma calls me down to this hospital saying, God told me that you are to raise this baby from the dead. And I got out of my chair, went into my boss's office, and I says, Grandma's lost her mind. What am I going to do? And he said, well, all I can tell you is don't pray unless God tells you to. I said, are you, are you serious? Why are you even considering this? Grandma lost the edge. So I'm telling you is don't pray unless God tells you to, which I live by to this hour, and I don't always keep to that. 
And I'm like, oh, wow, Dave's lost the edge, too. <laughs> so I get in my little truck, and I head on down to St. Joe's Hospital, and I'm arguing with God. So if I'm not bothered by this theology, then, then why would I argue with God? And I'm just wrestling with God, and I can take you to the X on the highway in Phoenix, Arizona. In fact, last year when I went there for a meeting, I went and visited this spot. Had a little conversation with God. It's a holy moment for me. And I'm in my truck. I'm arguing with God. And all I hear at this spot in the highway is, do you believe I can raise this baby from the dead? Without hesitation, of course, that's my habit. Without hesitation, I said, yes, I believe. And as soon as, and this is audibly I'm saying this, not in my head, yes, I believe. And as soon as it got out of my mouth, I panicked. Because I knew what was next. And he said, then pray. Oh, I'm like driving from that point all the way to St. Joe's, which is another 20 minutes to get downtown. I am sweating, literally sweating this out. I'm parking my vehicle and I'm walking across the road and going into the hospital. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't. I get into the hospital, I go to the ICU, they have, they have security guards at the door, chaos is all over the place. The mother who gave birth to this stillborn baby, two hours and five minutes dead, was the national weightlifting champion for the gals, the father of the child was the national weightlifter, and they had this relationship, and this child is birthed, died before being born. Jess, do you remember the diagnosis? Jane was here. She could tell us. She always remembers all this part of the, the story. And so they wouldn't let me in to the ICU. And the mother couldn't leave the baby's presence. She believed God was going to bring this her baby back to life through her mother's pastor. So they wouldn't let me in. So Grandma, without hesitation, it wasn't like arguing with them, she pulls this Polaroid picture out of her purse, throws it on the floor, and looks at me and says, Pray. So I get on my knees without hesitation, and I put my hand on that picture, and I start praying I said, God, by the faith of this grandmother and the faith that you told me to pray, I pray that you, O oh living God, would bring this child back to life in Jesus' name. I didn't no longer get those words out of my mouth. And the father had his hands around my throat. They were right here. When I finished praying, I looked up and he was like this. He said, I want that baby dead. And I said, not on this shift. And those doors busted open. All kinds of noise and whatever going on in there. And 
And the mother coming out going, my baby's alive, my baby's alive. Two hours and five minutes recorded by St. Joe's Hospital. Dead. Even the picture that I had my hand on, gray as a chair. Dead. And we had the privilege and the prerogative of dedicating that child not one ounce of brain damage. We had the privilege of holding that child up before God in a church service and dedicating that child to the Lord. Two words of prophecy spoken over that child that when they reach a certain age, that certain things were going to be accomplished, which is today. Today. This week is Michael's birthday. Accident? Are you kidding me? I have never raised someone from the dead since that day. I have no special gifting to raise people from the dead. That was God's moment. God said, touch the throne of God with your fingertips. Believe. And just do you believe, Stephen, I can still do this? <laughs> yes. Who am I to question that? Then pray. I'm pretty firm about praying when God says, pray. But the judgment I get for the times I won't pray is what I struggle with. I am an absolute firm believer that God can move mountains, God can raise the dead, God can save lives in ways that we could not even possibly imagine, but it better be because you heard him in here first. Then you request. You'll get your can of pop. Well, I was weak in my faith. Nineteen years of age, coming back to the Lord, I was a mess. Drug dealer, drug addict, hippie, I was a mess. And I was struggling with God and I was testing God all of the time. Remember, I got saved at 16. No one would disciple me, so I just wandered. And I come driving down over the hill and I saw a pop machine. That's why I love this video that Scott put together. I saw this pop machine and I'm coming down the hill and I said, God, if you're really there, when I get down there, I want a can of pop when I push the button free. It's stupid as that. And I pull up in front of the barn, I get out of my car, and I go over and I push the button. I not only got a can of pop, but the change thing let loose. And money started pouring out of the change thing. I'm like, yes. Of course then, had a conscious problem whether I was going to take the money and go and tell the bartender, you know, your you know, soda machine's giving me free money out there, which is what I ended up doing. Because I asked for a can of pop. That's the God I serve. 
Oh, Stephen, that's kind of a ridiculous request. Soda's not even good for you. What did God do? Okay, that's an easy one. Set the machine up. He'll be here in a second. Push the button. Pop comes out. I took the pop and went on. That's the God I serve. From from my youth I was like that. It was put in me on the day of my birth, if not before. You grow into your faith. You don't, you're not given to it just because. You grow into what has been assigned to you before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye. James 1, 5, 6 is very important. But he must ask in faith without any doubt, without any doubt, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. See why we need to have a real big hang up, a real big thing about pray when God tells you from within to pray? You won't doubt. You just won't. Because it's Christ in you saying, pray now, believe now. This is going to happen. You can have this. So when I had this unbelievable flooding of this limo's driver's prophecies going through my head all week long, I'm like, surely this can't be happening in front of me. Well, it's what you prayed. Yeah, but that was 15 years ago. Well, that was two months. Do you think God forgets? Now, if we don't get it right away, we're the ones that forget. Yeah, I knew you weren't real. Where's my soda? God knew I was the kind that needed that can of soda to redirect me back to faith. And he did stoop down to my level and show me something as silly as a can of pop. I take it serious when I pick up a dime outside the bank or the post office was this week's case and I have a moral decision. Do I take it into the post office and put it on the counter or do I put it in my pocket? Now i got to admit to you a lot of times it goes in my pocket. So I just don't want to walk in back into Walmart or whatever the case may be. But my mind takes it seriously. The decisions God sets us up for. This is a prayer that will be answered in all indwelt believers. God is quick to give such profound and heavenly wisdom to his children, for it guarantees requests that are pure, righteous, and certain to be answered. Pray for God's wisdom, you pray for his mind. Here's our identity matter statement. A statement. Honesty, honestly, spiritual victory is won or lost in the place of prayer. For the enemy to keep the indwell believer in defeat, he will either cause them to be haste in prayer or not to pray at all. I raise my hand first in confession of struggling with that. The one who has great faith to believe things that they do pray is the one who's going to be under the greatest attack in that area. If you're an occasional prayer, pray, 
you are going to be the type that's under severe attack. If you're the type that prays all the time, you're going to be the type that's going to be under moment-by-moment, day-by-day attack. My attacks come in waves, and they're usually very heavy. My wife's attacks come consistently. It's because of what the type of faith she's been given. It's very important you, that you examine your measurement of faith. Paul even said that. Victoria's prayer should be a part of your daily living and experience. If not, you should consider the hastiness of your prayers or evaluate the method which you pray. Praying in hastiness is Godship, being God. And we have learned what, and we have learned what that is, and that is demanding that God keep to our requests and to our standards. If there's evidence of God should praying in your life, consider repenting and turning to God for his heart and his request. Follow the general rule of Christ in you, having the proper and honorable requests ready to be released in you. And you'll find that this life is not only a good life, but you're going to find out that this life is the abundant life. Father, I want to thank you for the blessed truth that you have given to us today, that victory in Christ is at the root of our victory in our spiritual life. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit within us, That every person, Father, who heard this message and any words that came out of my mouth that was from my flesh, I pray supernaturally that you would cause them to forget it. But any words that have come directly from the mind of Christ within me, I pray they would remember it for eternity. And God, of course, we only pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.